Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our comfort in every season. You are our hope, our anchor on which our soul rests. And Lord, I pray that today as we look at your word, I pray your word would challenge and strengthen and build our lives today. That you remind us of your incredible love for us, Lord, I pray. As your word is spoken today, fill our tank to overflowing again today, I pray. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Welcome to City Church today. It's so great to have you here today on this first Sunday in December. Here we are and we are on our Advent series. We're in our Advent series. We're starting it today. And we're going to talk about Advent over this next four-week period, which is talking about hope, peace, joy, and love. That's the four themes of Advent. And the idea behind Advent is it's the the lead up, the excitement, the expectation of leading up to the nativity scene. But it's also as a believer, the expectation of the second coming of Christ. And so there's an expectation, a confident expectation in our hearts as we prepare for all that is to come in this both this Christmas season, but also understanding that Jesus is coming back for His glorious church. He's coming back as a second coming where Jesus will come to get us. And it's an exciting time for us to live in that expectant hope. You know, when we talk about the word hope, where we are looking today, particularly at this word and this theme, When we think about that word hope, we are reminded in Scripture that hope isn't just, oh, I hope this happens. I hope my football team wins. or I hope hope that works out for you. There's a confident expectation. That's what hope is. In fact, in Scripture, it talks about how hope is the anchor for our souls, that we can have a confident hope in Jesus. And so today, I want to talk particularly about how we are called to be hopeful and not hopeless. Hopeful and not hopeless. We live in a world that is drained of hope. So many people that we know, friends, family members, neighbours, work colleagues, if you have a conversation with them, you will see that hope is leaking out of their life. They are feeling less and less hopeful. Interest rate rises and things that are going on around the world and family situations and relationship breakdowns and struggles and the things that are going on in this world can cause people to just be drained of all hope. But who knows as believers in Jesus Christ, we are called to be the the people of hope, right? We are the household of faith. We are meant to be people that have this confident expectation, this uh, excitement for the future because we know that Jesus is in today and we know that great things are in store. Our future is as bright as the promises of God, right? As believers in Jesus. And so we're meant to be not just full of hope, but we're meant to be overflowing. You know, it says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of what? Hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've got the feeling that sometimes our lives are kind of filled to this degree here. 
where we have a small degree of hope and we come to a Sunday service or a connect group or a small gathering where we are with other believers or maybe we come to the gingerbread making house, gingerbread house making thing or Christmas on the stars and we have a small degree of hope and we get a little bit excited in our Sunday services. We start swirling around. We get excited in our connect groups. We are pumped. We are excited. There's not much that's spilling out. It's all contained. And we can find ourselves getting excited in our services, getting excited in our connect groups, getting excited perhaps in our homes, but it doesn't actually spill out into our communities, into our workplace, into our schools, into our other places that we kind of go through the week. Now, we're not just called to have a contained hope, are we? We're called to have an overflowing hope. The kind of hope that sometimes just goes out into our community and perhaps even spills a little bit. As we just go out and about into our community, it starts to just spill out a little bit. I'm sorry for these people on the front row this morning. It just starts to overflow and we can get a little bit more excited and it it just starts to overflow a little bit more. In our community, it's not just meant to be contained for us. This hope that we have is called to be An overflowing hope. I don't want to be the person when people look at my life and think, wow, he lived a contained life that he got excited at church. He got excited in his connect group, but it really made no impact or difference beyond that. I want to be the kind of person that when I walk into a room, there's a a non-anxious presence there. There's a sense of hope and joy and peace and love that enters the room, the Holy Spirit in me, overflowing, making a difference, making an impact that I'm not just containing it to myself in my bedroom at home, in my quiet time with God, but my quiet time with God would fuel me and and fill me so much that I would overflow and spill in my community, in my friendship, in my family, as a husband, as a father, in all the areas of responsibility in my life that hope would overflow. And my prayer for our church is that we would be an overflowing church. You know, the other morning, let me tell you this, we woke up at 2.30 a.m. in the morning. And the reason we woke up at 2.30 a.m. in the morning, or really I should say my wife woke up at 2.30 in the morning, was because of this little pipe, this flexi pipe underneath our ensuite bathroom. It just burst. 2.30 a.m. in the morning. And uh, no one was in the ensuite, but all of a sudden water just started pouring into our bedroom, all through our carpet from the ensuite, 2.30 a.m. in the morning. And what happened is the water just started to burst through this little hole as this had just worn through over time, and it just started to flow out everywhere. And I'm telling you, if we weren't home, our whole house would have been flooded. And that's why they say to you, turn your water off when you go away. And so you're meant to change these every three years. I reckon this had a good 20 years underneath our ensuite bathroom. And it just started to spill out everywhere. It's lucky Amy woke up because I was sound asleep. She threw our doona onto the floor to stop the flow of water. And while, then she woke me up and I ran outside to turn the tap off. And as I reflected upon this, I kind of thinking to myself, well, this was a $4 piece of equipment. I had to go to Bunnings the next morning. This cost me $4 to replace it. And, and, and the, the whole thing was fixed with $4. It got me thinking about the fact that it says in Scripture about you and I, it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts 
But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And we're just like this pipe. We, we just can't contain it. We are just these fragile jars that sometimes the, the power of God just busts out of our lives. We can't contain it. We can't hold it in as we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us continually with His hope as we pray, as we worship, as we remain obedient, as we just remain in His presence and listen to His Word and let it guide us. As we do those things, as we've been instructed this morning in the communion, as we're more like Mary than Martha and we just sit at the feet of Jesus, hope just starts to fill our life and then burst out. We can't help it. This confident expectation just starts to flow into our world. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, Our world today so desperately hungers for hope, yet uncounted people have almost given up. There is despair and hopelessness on every hand. Let us be faithful in proclaiming the hope that is in Jesus. That's the kind of hope we want to profess and proclaim in our world today. So this morning, I just briefly want to look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most quoted passages of Scripture, spoken at weddings and funerals and everything in between, reminding us of the hope that we have in Jesus. In fact, the Psalms is actually, if you change the name of what it actually really means when we talk about the Psalms, the Psalms are just praise songs. When we look at the Psalms, they're meant to be praise songs that are sung, that are spoken, that are reminding us to worship Jesus, to lift Him up in all seasons. We see the Psalms, they take us through the highs and lows of the life of, of those that wrote them. We see in King David, we see the highs and lows of his life as he writes out in the Psalms. But really what they are, is they are the praise song of his life. That in every season he could just find hope in Jesus. And so let's have a look this morning at Psalm 23 and look at six reasons to remain hopeful. Psalm 23, let me read it to you this morning. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He leads me. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Anybody need some new strength this morning? He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. What a great reminder to us of reasons we can remain hopeful in whatever season we find ourselves. And so let's look this morning at six reasons we can remain hopeful. The first one is number one, we have a personal shepherd. You have a personal shepherd. Thank God for the person that's sitting next to you, that they've got a shepherd. But can I just remind you this morning, you have a personal shepherd. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, he looks over you. He watches over you. He cares for you. He comforts you in your time of need. He protects you from things that you don't even know are coming. He guides and directs your life. He counsels you in those seasons where you don't feel like you're going to make it through. He reminds you of the hope and the promises of God at times in your life where you feel like, I can't see it anymore. He gives us vision in the darkness to believe the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. It's a faith statement to say that. And David is saying that in this psalm. He's saying it in faith because he had challenges in front of him. He had obstacles and barriers that he was fighting down. He had things that he was facing, anxiety and fear in his mind. He had challenges in front of him and real enemies and people that wanted to take ground and territory from him. David had all of those challenges pulling his life in so many different directions. But yet in a moment of faith, he could say, The Lord, He's my shepherd. I have all that I need. And you know what? I love the word shepherd in this and and maybe we don't even understand that word today like it, it was intended for those that this was written and sung to in the community we, we, we don't even have an understanding of what it means to be a shepherd but I love that the word shepherd is used because it's it's not just some kind of king in a palace far away it's a shepherd that is close and near to the sheep looking after, making sure they have the food and the protection and the shelter from the, from the sun, all those things and the elements that are there. We have this near shepherd that is right beside us. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, all of us have roles that require us to almost be a shepherd to others, to be responsible for others. Maybe you're a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad or you're, you're, you're a work colleague or somebody that is caring for others. If you're a manager or a leader or you've got responsibility as a friend or responsibilities in a, in a social setting or a social group that you manage or look after. We all have responsibilities where we are looking after others and caring for others and helping others. Even being responsible in this community today, this community of faith, we all have responsibility to serve and care for one another. As an Australian citizen, we have a responsibility to, to make sure that we abide by laws and do things that we're meant to do. We all have responsibility for each other. But isn't it nice to know that someone has the responsibility for us? And that is the Lord. And He is our shepherd. Whilst I'm trying to do my best to look after others and you're trying to do your best to look after others, He's doing His best. And we know His best is the best. To look after you. He's taking care of you in this season and in the seasons to come and the seasons after that. God, the Lord, is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Spurgeon said it this way. He said, the sweetest word of the whole of this monosyllable, my. He does not say the Lord is the shepherd of the world at large and leadeth forth the multitudes as his flock. But... The Lord is my shepherd. If he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me, watches over me and preserves me. The words are in the present tense. Whatever be the believer's position, he is even now under the pastoral care of Jehovah. Isn't that great that that's a current present tense? The Lord right now is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. There is a reason to hope. 
because you have a good shepherd that cares for you and loves you and takes care of the details of your life. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. We're putting all our hope in the good shepherd. He's my good shepherd. It's a personal thing. It's a personal relationship. And can I encourage you, if you take nothing else this morning, faith must be personal. Otherwise, it has no power. We don't live a corporate faith. We live a personal faith. It's a personal living relationship with Jesus that will save you. It is not church that will save you. I'm sorry to disappoint you. It is not your pastor that will save you. I'm sorry to disappoint you even further because I know I will disappoint you. It is not the leaders that are around you that will save you. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing greater, nothing smaller. It is just that. A personal living relationship with Jesus is what it is all about. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that this morning? The Lord is my shepherd. The second thing this morning, we can be hopeful because we have a personal shepherd. The second thing is we have peaceful streams. Peaceful streams in his presence. And let me tell you, these all start with P this morning because that is biblical, right? (laughs) Peaceful streams. Psalm 23 verse 2, he leads me. To rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. The location, the season, the circumstance is not the peace. Jesus is the peace. His presence with you is the peace. That where he takes you, there can be chaos going on all around about you, but his peaceful streams can be on the inside of you. Those green meadows, those lush places to rest and relax and place your head can be on the inside of your soul, even in the chaos that is all around you. Because of what? Because of Jesus Christ that is in you. And it's not a reminder to us in this passage that we'll never face troubles or trials or circumstances that causes chaos. But it's a reminder of the perspective that we can have as a believer that I choose peace in the midst of chaos. Because I have the Prince of Peace living on the inside of me. Now our son Hudson is one year old and he's going to be two in January. And he's just started this really exciting new thing of making this really, really frustrating noise. It's just... And he just walks around the house going, and this noise has gears to it. It just, he's not even upset about anything. He's just walking around going, and then he sees you eating food that he's not eating, and the gear changes. And it's like, buddy. And then he walks up to the TV, and the TV's not on. And he's looking at it and he wants Coco Melon to watch on the TV. And so the gear just changes again. He doesn't say anything. He's just like, this one word is enough. It means food. It means TV. It means I'm unhappy. It means I'm happy. It means everything in between. And he just stands in front of the TV and gear three. And he's just at that thing. 
And it's like, buddy, whether you're happy, whether you're sad, you're making this sound. Somebody get a dummy and pop that thing in his mouth. Can we get this thing to be quiet? And he just makes this noise all the time. And it's like, oh man, you're not sad. You're not happy. You're not, I don't know what's going on. It's every emotion is covered with that one sound. And I know he's trying to communicate and he can't get the words out, but I'm telling you, for everybody else in the household, we're just like, could you do that outside? It's just crazy. And I think about that when it comes to the peaceful streams of living that we're meant to live with and the perspective that we choose. I, I wonder at times as believers whether we have that kind of sound coming out of our life. It's kind of a sound of complaint. It's kind of a sound of frustration. It's kind of a sound of, oh, things aren't good. I'm frustrated. I'm stressed. The world's just crazy. Oh, this has gone wrong. It's kind of the noise of complaint, which is kind of the opposite of the noise of praise and the noise of hope and the noise of overflowing confident expectation that we're meant to have and the Advent themes of hope, joy, love, peace that's meant to come out of our life. It's kind of the opposite of that. And I wonder whether instead of peaceful streams at times, our life sounds more like, ah, I'm busy, oh, it's crazy season. Ah. I wonder whether we sound like that. And instead of doing that as believers, what if we changed our perspective and we decided to make praise our default. We decided to make joy and love and peace and hope in the Holy Spirit be something that comes out of our life. And that won't happen by accident. That happens by manual choice. And when something goes wrong, instead of, ah, ah, instead of that happening, what if praise be to Jesus in every season? What if the fact that there's chaos all around me, but I have peaceful streams and I have green meadows on the inside because the good shepherd is with me. What if those kind of things started to come out of our life and started to be things that would resonate through our life and into our community rather than the general noise that the rest of our community is making? Oh, interest rates. And all these kind of things that our, our world is, is going on about. What if we were the difference of hope and we brought a different sound? We brought a different rhythm to our world. Peaceful streams would flow out. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. What if we had the ability to do that? And we do because you know what? It's not a skill thing. It's not an ability thing. It's actually just a choice thing. We can choose to praise in every season and it takes discipline, it takes courage, but when we do that, it makes a whole bunch of difference and instead of sounding like this at Christmas under the stars, it's a hot day, why am I here serving on a Saturday? Instead of doing that, our community says, hey, these people are full of hope. These people are full of joy. I want what these people have got because the rest of the world are making that weird sound that I'm making this morning and uh, we can make a different sound. The third thing this morning is this, we're gonna fly through them. Paths of purpose to walk. Psalm 23 verse three says, he renews my strength. Gee, that's encouraging. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Do you know that there are paths of purpose for you to walk in? Every day you get up, God has already seen that day. 
He's already prepared you for that day. There is going to be encounters with people. There is going to be opportunities for you to choose joy, peace, hope, and love in, in, in the midst of an opportunity to also complain, to gossip, to be frustrated, to let things consume you and overwhelm you. And there's going to be choices that are going to be there for you to make every day. There's going to be an opportunity for you to show love and grace to people or for you to show fire and fury to people at this time of year as well. It's called the December snap. And what if we didn't have the December snap, but we had the excitement to actually show love at this time of year? There is choices each and every day. There is preparation that God has made for you each day for you to get up out of your bed and to live for kingdom purpose. Paths of purpose to walk. It says, He guides me along right paths. Not just that superstar preacher that I watch on YouTube that just walks every day with no challenges. They get up and they're just a living inspiration as they walk around and they just declare and they just lead 20 people to Christ every day just personally. And it's just amazing. Not, 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 not that person, but you and me. It says he guides me. Paths of purpose that he's prepared for you. Not the superstar Christian but you and me, just the regular guy, just the regular person. God has created things for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We don't have to run. We don't have to rush. We just walk in them by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just walk into the purpose and the places of purpose that God has instructed us to walk. The fourth thing this morning is protection in the valley. It says here in verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Your rod and your staff protect and Comfort me. We have the good shepherd guiding and directing our lives. Our little boy Hudson, he goes to the shops now and he doesn't want to be in the pram like a baby. I'm not a baby anymore. I want to walk. I want to walk around the shops like everybody else. Now that is the most frustrating, hardest thing to do when there is heaps of people at the shops because this guy's walking around, he's veering off everywhere, he's going, having a look. I feel like I spend my time at the shops just mitigating disaster. He's going to walk into that person, he's going to knock that clothing rack over, he's going to do that and I'm just walking around, just guiding, directing, making sure. Uh, I'm kind of even relaxed, I can't even think because I've just got one job just to make sure this kid doesn't cause chaos to both himself or anybody else around him. He's got no idea. He's oblivious, oblivious to it all. He's just walking around. I don't know. I think I just spoke in tongues. Oblivious. oblivious. And he's just walking around, just doing his thing. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I reckon God does that with us. As his children, I reckon we get ourselves in some crazy situations. We make choices. We do things. We get distracted. We go off path. We, oh, look at their life. We compare. We, we, we just, we find ourselves, even more so at this time of year, we catch up with family. Oh, oh you're doing this. Wow. Oh, well, we're not. And, and we, we, we go off. We, we go off on our own paths. We find ourselves in valley seasons. But this is a, a reminder. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. Highs, lows, in between. He's with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. There's a reason to hope. In the darkest season, he is there. 
in the worst of times. God is with you. He's not a distant king. He is the shepherd standing beside you. He's called the good shepherd in Scripture. It says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It says about the shepherd that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He says, I give them eternal life and they never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. His protection, his power, his guidance and direction for your life is steadfast. No matter the season, the Lord is with you in the valley, the darkest valley, it says. So we don't need to be afraid. He is with us. Billy Graham said this, for the believer, there is hope beyond the grave. Because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. Even in the darkest of times, the transition of this life to the next, there is hope. There is a reason to hope because it's not the end. It's a doorway to eternity for you and I in the valley. Fifthly, this morning, prepared places. It says in Psalm 23 verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. I love that saying, my cup overflows. We've talked about it this morning. It's, we're made, we're designed to overflow with His presence and anointing that is not for us. If you understand it, anointing is not just for you. Anointing is always about overflowing and bringing blessing to others. The tasks that you're anointed to do is actually about the building up of other people's lives. But God anoints you. He smears you with His oil, with His supernatural empowerment so that when you walk into situations, you can feel confident in God, not in yourself, not in your ability, but you're confident in Him because you're anointed for this. He's prepared places for you. Would you believe that this morning, that there is places that are prepared for you? In the next day or two, in the next week, in the next month, over this next year, God's prepared places for you. One bit that I don't like about this passage is that he's prepared a table. It's a feast. He's anointed my head with oil. But he's, he's got my enemies at the table. I'm like, mm, killjoy. <laughs> Can I just have my friends? <laughs> the people that like me. But when I reflect upon it, I kind of like it because there's this tension reminder that there is still battles, there is still enemies, there is still chaos that can be there. But this passage reminds us that the feast is still there, that the anointing is still there, that God is still there in the midst of the battle and the chaos. God is with you. He's feeding you. He's nourishing you. He's anointed you. He's equipped you. Your enemies aren't perhaps removed. Isn't that true in life? The challenge is still there, but God is in the middle saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm giving you everything you need. Watch your enemies, watch you be blessed in the midst of this chaos. Watch your enemies, watch you be fed and strengthened when they're getting weaker in the midst of the chaos. Watch the anointing drip off your life as this doesn't kill you, it actually builds you. And makes you stronger. And finally this morning, it says in Psalm 23, 6, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me as the team come all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever.
You know, we spend so much time chasing things as humans. We chase a life partner. We chase the kids and the picket fence and the house and we chase the job and we chase the lifestyle and the place that we live and we chase the friendship group and we chase the popularity and we chase the fame and we can chase the money and we can chase all of these things. Our whole life is spent chasing. Once you've done this, there's the next thing to do and there's the next thing to do and let's get through uni and then we've got to get the house and we've got to get the job and then we've got to move this and then I've got to get prepared for a time and I'm, to, I'm chasing, 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 chasing. <laughs> Isn't it nice to know that there's something that's chasing you? That it doesn't matter what you do, it's still chasing you. His love, His unfailing love is chasing you. His goodness is chasing you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. Wherever you are, even the mistakes and the things that you've done wrong, His unfailing love and His goodness is chasing you. You know what? Sometimes it's just nice to just stop and look back and go, yeah, there you are, unfailing love. There you are, goodness. I'm just going to let you catch me for a moment and just remind me again how good life is with Jesus, how good it is to live with hope, how good it is to be forgiven of my sins, how good it is to know that there is hope beyond the grave, how good it is to know that I can live with purpose today. When all the chaos is around me, His goodness and love is just chasing after you and I. Don't have to earn it, don't have to strive for it. It's just there. It's a beautiful thing. No barrier can stop it. It's just chasing after you. Just receive it. So this morning, just close your eyes for a moment. Oswald Chambers, he said this, Remember whose you are and whom you serve. Provoke yourself by recollection and your affection for God will increase tenfold. Your imagination will not be starved any longer, but will be quick and enthusiastic, and your hope will be inexpressibly bright. Remember whose you are and whom you serve. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray this morning, as we've been reminded in Psalm 23, that we have so many reasons to be hopeful, to be hopeful and not hopeless. Lord, I pray that we would be dealers in hope as we go out into our community, that hope would come through our lives in various forms, with our smile, with our words, with our actions, with our generosity, Lord God, with our interactions with people. Let your hope just spill out. But Lord, I pray, fill us with hope in our quiet time, in our reading of the Word, that Your revelation remind us of Your love, Lord Jesus, in our silence and solitude. Lord, let Your Word speak to us, I pray. Holy Spirit, let You just fill us again, 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 fill us again. It's not a one and done, it's a continual filling, a filling to overflow of your hope, peace, joy and love in every heart 
across this church, in every life, I pray, fill us again to overflowing with your hope and peace. And I pray that it will come out of our lives, that we would be hopeful in a season right now where our community can be so full of hopelessness. Let us be light and darkness, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 You know, I just want to pray a prayer this morning. It's the sinner's prayer. And you may have prayed it many times or perhaps you've never prayed it. The reason I want to pray it this morning is because just like we've been instructed in communion this morning by Johanna, we can really easily become a Martha at this time of year. And I know in my life, I've been there. And we just sometimes need to get back to that personal my shepherd relationship with Jesus where we sit at his feet where we're reminded that our relationship with him is the priority not the craziness not the busyness and so as I pray the sinner's prayer this morning I want to invite you to pray it with me and let's make a personal declaration this morning that I'm getting back to personal relationship with Jesus in this season so why don't you repeat this prayer after me dear Lord Jesus today I give you my life. I choose you, a relationship with you. For my sins, I'm sorry. I receive your forgiveness. Help me live for you and grow in my relationship with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, would you stand this morning as we just worship and close this morning?